Welcome to People's Church radio program. If you find this broadcast to be helpful, please let us know. You can call us at 780-539-0572 or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Okay, Father, we just acknowledge that there's nothing in our lives that is beyond you your personal knowing but Lord at the same time your mercy your grace your love Lord has covered everything you know about us and for that we are very grateful and Lord we ask that your Holy Spirit today would do a work in our hearts about that subject and may it be something Lord that reaches deep deep inside us amen When he left home, the prodigal son knew that his father loved him. He did. How could he not know that? He knew it. He had been provided for at every dinner table. They had celebrated each one of his birthdays. They had taken him on great adventures. They had included him fully in the family business. They had an amazing thing going. He knew the father's love. And so much did he trust the father's love at that scale that he was willing to actually ask his father for his goods before his father's passing or signing over of all of his goods. And so the father gave him his goods. Somehow that younger son knew his father's heart and he knew that his father would not withhold this from him. Now we know the story. He goes off in... He bent and determined to live out the fantasies of his youth. Fantasies that take him down a very wrong journey. And in that journey, he ends up at a very low place. A place where his friends that he made in this far country that he went to left him when his money ran out. And then a famine hits the entire country. Life happens, right? And when famine hits it, He can't even find good employment. Employment that would be suitable to his skills. Employment that would be suitable to his dreams. As far as he knew, his dreams were crushed. That his life was over. He had wasted it all. He had wasted every day since he had left the father's house. And yet he finds himself one morning waking up and coming to his senses. At the lowest point, feeding pigs... For a Jewish boy, not the best job. And eating what he was feeding them. This is not a good place. Oh, he thought he knew the father's love. But to the degree he knew the father's love, here's what he said when he came to his senses. He said, even the servants in my father's house have more than I do right now. They're well fed, they're looked after, they've got a solid roof over their head. I mean, they, get, they build their families and they are, they're living a good life. I will go back to my father and I will say, Father, let me just be like one of your servants. I am so sorry for what I have done. He knew the father's love, but yet he didn't know the father's love, did he? Often that's the way it is, I think, with believers. And when we 
have walked with God. We have this first initial almost knowledge of what the Father's love is like, but you really don't know what the Father's love is like until you've exceeded even your own, can we say, self-righteousness. And you come to a place where you look at yourself and you say, oh my gosh, what have I done? Look where I have arrived. Look at the shore that I now rest my ship on. He returns home, and as he's walking into the lane, his father sees him, says from afar off. That distance wasn't created by the father, was it? That distance was created by the son because he couldn't practice what he wanted to practice within the household of his father, and he knew it. On his return, He's coming with what he believes to be humility to say to his father, just make me a servant. It's kind of funny because we don't have the speech of the son. All we get is the speech of the father. The speech of the father kind of comes later when he gives it to the second son, the elder son, who was having a hard time with this son's, his brother's return. And the speech of the father says, Son, this brother of yours, he was lost. Now he's back. He's found. He's alive. He's with us. We need to have a party. The father's love far exceeded the width or the height or the, or the depth or the length of this younger son's journey. You know, it always has, it always will. And today we're going to talk about the love of God for us. We have to understand this and there's a certain path I want to take to hopefully make it fresh to you in a way today. How much the Father does love you. In Ephesians 1, verse 4 and 5, it says this, Long ago, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. His unchanging plan, notice these words, his unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. And this gave him, I love this, great pleasure. I cannot explain to you why God loves us other than to say to you it's because that's the nature of who he is. It's his leading characteristic that he puts out first to us. He says, I love you. He's proved that both in our creation and in the new creation brought to us through Christ to those that open their hearts to him. That new creation is something that he has created and is behind. It is not a performance-based mechanism. Why we struggle with the idea of God's love for us is because we view it for, through our pitiful attempts at performance and somehow believe that we can actually earn the scale of love that God himself can only bring. 
That was that son coming home that day. There's got to be this permanent demotion for me. There's got to be a whole recalculation of who I am in the father's household. I am no longer your son because I have failed so badly. Christian, do you hear your voice in his? I am beyond living a full-fledged son and daughter-driven life because I have somehow offended God to such a degree his love has ended here but my own failures have exceeded them. Do you not understand? Do we not grasp? Why is it so hard for us to grasp that somehow this is one of the greatest ways to insult God? You notice the father in the story of the prodigal did not even listen to this boy. Instead, he calls for new clothes, new ring. Get this guy cleaned up. Kill the fatted calf. Let's get some fresh shoes on his feet. This guy was a mess. He was a mess. My son was dead, but now he's alive. Christian, I want to talk to you especially today. But if you don't have faith in Christ, the message abides the same for you. The fact is that God has loved you long before you arrived on this planet. The scriptures are clear. God is love. You see, my number one purpose in life is to be loved by God. It's not for me to be a servant of God, a slave of God. It's not for me to fulfill some role. It's not for me to do some do. My number one purpose is to be loved. Why is that so hard? Well, there can only really be one answer to that question. It's so hard because our pride gets in the way. There's something about experiencing the love of God that happens only through those that are able to experience themselves. Have you really experienced yourself? You see that morning when he woke up and it says he came to his senses? He was having an experience of himself. And it wasn't a nice experience. It was an experience where the full reality and details of choices made, failures lived, were coming like a weight and a wave upon this young man. And in that moment of time, that experience of self set him up to experience something from the Father he had never experienced before. Oh, he had been fed by the Father. He had been clothed by the Father before. He had been involved in the Father's work. He had been part of the team. He had been there all along. The Father had looked after him since he was just took his first breath. And that's how it has been for many of us as believers. We've walked with him in that kind of first phase, but we, we, we pull back and, and something seems to grab our hearts and we live out our own fantasies and we make choices and we do things that can so hinder and wreck our lives. But it hasn't wrecked God's love. And it hasn't wrecked his ability to restore or heal or rebuild
When you experience yourself, it's going to be a bit of a rude awakening. It's not nice days. And you know why? Here's what I've learned about experiencing myself. It's not a one-time deal. If you really are living the Christian faith out, you are first having experiences with yourself, but it's all set up and creating capacity for experience of God because it's not good enough to know that God loves you. You need to experience that God loves you. And how do you experience how God loves you if you do not experience how you have disappointed God? How are we doing? Are you with me? Do you understand this? Is it you? Pride, you see, gets in the way of experiencing ourselves. It stops us from really experiencing the full math. We don't get the full weight because pride steps in and it somehow excuses or blames or creates some other story that is more friendly to our pride rather than the realities that we have failed, fallen short. And that seems to be a more comfortable world, but it's a very destructive world. To experience the love of God, you must first experience how far you are from God. And believer, that might be kind of strange for you to hear that, but if you do not know the places in your life that are kept distant from God, then you are having a pride issue. Humility is a powerful word. Humility is something where it's actually a word about reality. I mean, touch with this reality. I can see it. My eyes are working. My mind is working. I can grasp. I can engage. Pride is a blinder. It keeps you away from those kinds of realizations. So I want you to experience God's love. But to do that, you must first experience you. And so I'm going to put a little drawing up on this little whiteboard. They're going to zone in with the camera there a little bit. Let's just make you one complete circle. All the walls are intact. See, you've been given a sovereign will. You can create walls anywhere you want to create walls. And here's what we tend to do is that we close the ranks around our own self-centeredness, around things that we want to protect, and we do not want to surrender because we feel in the surrender we lose our freedom. Do you know that goes back to Genesis and the original temptation? We feel we're going to have greater freedom by simply closing God out. Get him out of the equation. The love of God is experienced when we experience ourselves. When we receive Christ, we've opened up a little gate in here. Because all around us, we are in a universe, a sea, an ocean of God's love. Every human being is in an ocean of God's love. You are absolutely surrounded by it. You can't run from it. You can never escape it. You're never outside it. God's love is there. And when we just open up these little doorways, 
then his love can move in to inside us. And that's what we want. Otherwise, we're, we're this little place where we can create an absence of the reality of us experiencing God's love. The whole thing we were created for. He said long ago, before he made the world, God loved us and chose us. In Jude 1.1, it says, this letter is from Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. I am writing to all who are called to live in the love of God, the Father, and in the care of Jesus Christ. Imagine being completely surrounded by a God of love and resistant. See, my number one purpose in life is not to do something for God, it's to receive something from God. That's your first purpose. If you're not fulfilling the first purpose, none of the others will make sense. They become works. They become just just dry efforts. They lack an experience. They lack a personal, real, life-changing event. You can't really experience it because you're not experiencing the reality. You are called to be loved by God. So often we reduce our relationship to God in doing something for him. That is not the beginning point, it's receiving something from him. That's why we talk about receiving Christ into our lives. Because we are not on the giving end, folks. We're waking up and hopefully come to our senses and realize how destitute we are and how far from the Father And we open up our hearts. It's hard to see ourselves other than servants, though, after we have failed in our life, maybe repeatedly and so often, and we think so deeply as to be outside of what God's love for our love. Why is it so hard to fulfill the very first purpose? Just to receive something from God. Because when God's love invades your heart, you will find that you cannot resist it. You're created for it. You'll find that when you open a doorway, you're going to find yourself surrendering to God in an experiential way to experience his love in a place that before had nothing but solid wall to exclude him and keep him out and, and only to reinforce your own king or queenship. It's an amazing moment in time, and I've had many of them, where I've had to open up another little pathway and say, man, I need to humble myself and accept the fact of how deeply you love me well beyond the failure that my life has presented to you. I want to fulfill my number one purpose, and that is to receive Something from God, you, your love. You see, nothing else past this moment is going to matter with any any greatness until you make this acceptance that God loves you. So right now, where are you struggling with acceptance of God's love? Where's the greatest failure? Is it within a marriage? Is it within a parenting issue? Is it somehow within your family of experience? Is it somehow some other moral failure that somehow you can't climb out of the woods of this thing? I mean, what is it that right now you're acting like, I'll go home, but I'll be your servant, Dad. And he's saying, 
How will I ever let you break my first purpose that is written for you? And that is to receive my love. You can serve the rest of your days and the ache of the failure won't go away. Or you can just accept that God has this ocean of love that you are living in and it's more than enough. How does the creature say to the creator, this far, no further? How do we think that we can control the omnipotent God? How do we think that somehow we can actually be outside of this love and power to heal and to restore? You owe your own existence to him. Without him, even your life in this world would cease. He is infinitely good. Infinitely good. And his will is love. I mean, if you were to submit or be challenged to surrender your life, your heart, to a tyrannical God? There would almost be a noble courage and resistance and build the walls and operate outside of that environment. But that is not the kind of God that is our creator and our savior. He is infinitely good. You would think it wouldn't be difficult to surrender to him. To live in a performance basis somehow. You know that all nature is submissive and surrendered to his laws? All the billions and billions and billions and trillions and gazillion stars are submissive to him. There is nothing, nothing that is not ruled by this God, this almighty, omnipotent God. But his way with the universe and with us is love. The Bible says God is love. Not that love is God. Don't get that wrong. That could be Hollywood. God is love. His leading characteristic in interacting with us is love. You might be like that son and you might be disqualifying yourself somehow from his love, but you are acting in pride to do so. Because somehow behind that belief is the belief that you could do it different than anybody else. Paul said, Paul said this, I am what I am by the grace of God. How can it be for a puny man to oppose the Lord God? I mean, that's like throwing chaff up in the wind and saying, don't let the wind affect you. It's rebellion. It's pridefulness. 
So you need to experience yourself so you can experience the love of God. Do you know how gracious he is in love to you? No, you don't deserve it. You never will deserve it. And to live in any other way is just an insult to this God of love and holiness. He's the one that came to us. He's the one that went to the cross. He's the one that bore the stripes. He's the one that bore the nails. He's the one that had the crown on his head. He's the one that said, it is finished. Do you know how powerful those three words are? So when that son was coming home on that prodigal son was returning to his father, here was the the, the words that the father had always lived by for this son. It is finished. Christian, you want to experience the love of God? Experience your need of it. Experience how far from him you really deserve to be. Experience your flaws to a depth that says... Oh my gosh, the riches of his love are absolutely astounding. The Bible tells us, submit yourselves to God. The first words of that are this though. I'm asking you to surrender yourself fully for who you are. The call is for that because as you do that and you're in touch with who you are and you fully surrender that and trust the love of God and cease trying to deal with your faults from your own throne. Then you will begin to experience the love of God. The first part on the previous verse of that one goes, he resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. There's an old hymn really old and here's some of the words from it let me just read a stanza on this Lord you have won at length I yield my heart my mighty grace by mighty grace compelled surrenders all to thee against your terrors long I strove But who can stall against your love? Love conquers even me. And that's why you resist it. You know, it's kind of funny, even in human human relationships, we fall far short of the love of God standard. We have a hard time letting other people love us. We want to get in charge that we've earned it somehow. When you receive any form of unmerited love, it might be in a relationship where you got angry and you're the one on the bad side of this deal, but you know what? The other person's reaching out to you in love and you have this resistance to that. Why? Because you know if you open your heart to that love, there's a surrender that's going to take place. That's how our hearts work. But he calls us to a different way, to a different math, He says, humble yourself. So we need to take our right place before God. Christian, you must take your right place before God. You may need to renew that this morning so that you can experience his love. What is your right place before God? Well, it's always on our face before a cross. 
That's the right place. Because that cross was about me. And when I lose touch with that and I'm not experiencing me, how can I experience the cross? But when I experience me, it humbles me and in humility, I reach out and receive the love of God which comes in and it begins to heal my life. And I open up all kinds of pathways as much as possible to let this in and fill every corner of my heart with this amazing love. The first purpose of my life is to be loved by God. My first calling is to enjoy a relationship with God. And that's what God wants in your life. He didn't want to come and create a new religion. God didn't. God didn't come create a religion. God created a relationship. He wants to adopt us into his family. That's what receiving Christ does, is it gives us the family DNA. We now have God's DNA, his righteousness. It's eternal. It's unquenchable. And when that comes into our life, it changes everything. But we can't grow cool, even hard-hearted. Because we lose connection with ourselves. We make excuses for ourselves. We let pride build itself and find again another alleyway in. And we get surprised maybe at how distant we start feeling from God. Why do I feel distant from God? Probably because you're really close to yourself in a blindness. That relationship that he's called us to be is his son or daughter. Look at 1 John 3, 1. What an incredible quality of love the Father has shown to us. That we should be named and called and counted the children of God, not a servant. Make me a servant, Dad. I don't, I don't deserve this. You've been good to me and I've screwed it all up. No, he didn't call you as a servant. He called you for a relationship. You're a son, you're a daughter. Called and counted the children of God and so we are. Ephesians 3, 17 through 19 says, I pray... Paul the Apostle writing this, that Christ will be more and more at home in your hearts as you trust in him. What does that look like? Well, trust, it comes because we are being humble. You are being humble in saying, I need to trust him. May your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. He's writing to Christians. May your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should. What do we need to understand? What's so important? What is Paul saying? We got to get this. Don't miss this math. Don't ever miss this math. He's saying, you should know this. How wide? How long? how high and how deep his love really is like that prodigal experienced. 
May you experience the love of Christ, though it is so great, you will never fully understand it. This is so true, isn't it? Because how do you understand a love that isn't somehow tied to some kind of performance? How do you understand a love that has no link to me in my reality of failures in the sense of, God, I, I got to... I got to do better for you to actually love me. No. There's many other reasons to do better. Do better so others will learn to love God, the God in you, Christ. Do it because your family needs Christ in the home. Do it for many reasons. Live godly. But don't ever think you'll understand the love of God for you or that you'll ever get to the place where you say, wow, now I get it. You know, he loves me because... What are you going to put in that blank? You going to put a list? You going to write a note? You know what I have in that blank right now? Do you know how... Do you know what... I, here's what I put in that blank. He loves me because... He loves me. I don't understand it. Paul himself said, you'll never really understand this. It's powerful when you think about it. Take your right place before God. Get humble. That means take the blinders off. Get rid of the pride. See yourself. Experience you so that you can experience how high and, and, and how wide and how long and how, and how deep this love really is. Some of you that are perfectionists right now want those four blanks really quickly. It's wide enough to be everywhere. Everywhere that you've been. Nobody's left out. Anywhere your feet have taken you, this love is wide enough. It's already been there. It's long enough to last forever. This will endure. It will endure. You can't outlive it. You can't outrun it. It is going to endure. It's deep enough to handle anything. Oh, these are the famous statements we like to make. But you don't know. Yeah, you're very unique. You know, when you start defining yourself as unique by how far you've fallen, find another formula. It's deep enough. Easily scooping you up out of the pit. It's deep enough to handle anything. It's high enough to overlook mistakes. Sins, rebellion, pride. It's high enough. See, our problem is that we put our walls high and we don't understand how high his love is. So what changes in our life when we surrender 
And we just begin to open up our lives and the love of God comes in and starts filling the little corners all over, all these little closets that we got to try and exclude this. Nobody knows, da, 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 da. Well, how about when God is pouring his love and there's no closet that whose door is left closed in your life to the love of God and you really get it. You, you have seen yourself to such a degree that the experience has not been a good one, but it has set you free to experience the amazing love love of God because he will not turn you away here's what changes if I stay aware of this amazing love for me I feel accepted rather than ashamed if you're feeling shame right now and it is really something that's kind of become an anchor in your life around uh, you know, a few markers, a few posts of performance, or maybe many. This illustrates the existence of the power of shame in your life right now, that you really need to experience yourself in a different way and then just trust the Father's love because his love is more than enough. And that means you'll feel accepted. Romans 5, 1, by faith we have been made acceptable to God and now because of our Lord Jesus Christ we live at peace with God. Oh, to live at peace with God. Just to be at peace. You might be fighting God really hard right now. You're working against your own good ends because it's his love that is going to bring what you need and what you want. You must experience it, though. You can't just have the verbiage. You can't just have the, the formula in the head. You've got to have this capacity to experience it. And the way you get to that capacity is to experience you. And when you experience you and get honest and pride's out of the way, now you can look to him. And you can experience the love of a father's arms thrown around your neck when you're saying, make me a servant, make me a servant. No, that's your plan to appease your pride. You need to be at peace with God. You've been made acceptable to him by his love. The cross. Romans 8, 33, 34 says, if God says his chosen ones are acceptable to him, can anyone bring charges against them? Or can anyone condemn them? No, indeed, and that includes you. You can't even bring it against yourself. They won't stand up in his court. You know, you, you, some of us, we get into, the, in, into like a court with God and we become the prosecutor. And we're working against our defense lawyer, Jesus, who says, I've made you acceptable. And you're saying, I deserve. Do you understand how you're working against your own interests? God's love set you free from prosecuting even yourself or others prosecuting you or defining what judgment should be in your life because Jesus took all the judgment. So you just need to sit in that defense little cubicle with your lawyer, Jesus, who says, hey, Father, I pay for them. They have received me. They have opened their lives to me. 
Christian, never forget that this means a lifelong journey. A lifelong journey of experiencing God's love, having it happen over and over and over again as you experience yourself and see your shortcomings. And then you look to the God who has loved you before you were ever born and nothing you do ever surprises him. And you start to feel accepted rather than ashamed, not because of what you've done, but because of what he has done to make you acceptable. Second, I'm bold in bringing my needs to God. I have a relationship of confidence. It says all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you should not be like cowering, fearful slaves. You should behave instead like God's very own children, adopted into his family, calling him Father, dear Father. Abba, dear Abba is the uh, Aramaic word. It's the most tender word. Father, dear Father, and since we are his children, we will share his treasures. For everything God gives to his son, Christ is ours too. That's what the older son had a hard time with, with the younger son, didn't he? The younger son's coming right back, and now you know what? Everything that's the father's is now his again. It's not fair. We should be really thrilled that God does not work on the fair continuum. I mean, you should celebrate the heck out of this day. I, I said heck. Because of what the Father, because of what the Father does, he doesn't treat you on a fair scale. I begin to pray differently. I begin to act differently because it's grace that sustains my stand, not my performance. And so I can begin to take my stand. I can practice my faith. I can keep moving forward despite my own inequities. Hebrews 4.16 says, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You will never, ever live apart from that throne. We live right in the, 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 the big zone of the throne of grace. We need it. And it gives us confidence. Not my performance. If your prayers are based on your performance, I can't pray today. It's been awful the way I've treated my wife, the way that I just treated my kid, the way that I have done this or whatever. I can't pray today. Okay, just create another little circle. Put up the walls. Those are the days you need to pray. You need to pray every day, but especially on those days. And those are the days that you come with confidence because you know that it is the only the throne of grace that has sustained your stand and you're coming and saying, oh God, I'm experiencing me again today. And it's far short of what the perfect model is. But I thank you for your grace. And so I come and I stand in prayer and say, oh God almighty, omnipotent, I humbly come. And here is what I'm bringing in my prayers today. Third, I have peace in pain I don't understand. I have peace in pain I don't understand. I just experienced this on Friday. Friday afternoon, we had a lovely service here. 
It was a funeral, celebration of life. For a young man that went home far too early, a man that loved God and practiced his faith in God. And the, and, and the whole afternoon, that was reflected. But I saw within all of the songs, within all of the tributes and testimonies, the good hand of God, the graciousness that says, even in the midst of this pain that is devastating, there is an anchor to hold on to. There is a day to be lived. There is a future to be had. There is a God that cares. There's a God that holds. There's a God that lifts. There's a God that still has purpose in this day. Peace in pain that I just don't understand. I, I sat back and marveled in that entire service. As I watched the family, an extended family, sing and worship and play and lift up through tributes, Jesus and Marlon. You know, there's a lot of things in life that you can just say, God, I don't get it. And until you explain it to me, ah, here's a wall. You can do that. You can always build a wall. Always know this. You can always build a wall. Romans 8, 28, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I heard that throughout that afternoon. And again, I speak to the family who is still there here today. I, I just say to you, thank you for your testimony of the goodness of God and may God continue to hold you and walk through you, with you through the pain. Number four, I gain the courage to take risks. You know, fear of failure is just, now that's a plague. And it's not a one to two percent kill rate. It's pretty much a hundred percent. You live by that, it's a hundred percent kill rate. You know, grace sets us up for the adventure of life. Not putting up walls to live just in this very closed-in world. But sets us up for incredible risk-taking and it's going to take courage to obey God. It's going to take courage to live it out in your own life and in your family, in your place of work. It's going to take courage for you to honor the Lord and to begin to develop love. Because you're loved. 1 John 4, 18 says there is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. Do you see what drives out fear? Not just love. Don't forget that first word. Perfect. So only God's love can truly drive fear out. What does that mean to you and I? Well, it means many things to us. Number one, I really think it means to us, you got to break the walls down. You got to let the love of God fill you. You got to experience it because you are letting pride go that 
blinds you to experiencing you so that through that you can now experience this incredible love of God. And finally, I worship instead of worry. We're going to play that little video clip, short one here. Last Wednesday, we had our first Wednesday night. I want to invite you out. We had a good mass of people here on Wednesday night. Come and join us. It was a powerful night. Just from 6.30 to quarter to 8 for the adults, the youth and kids will run till 8. But we did a really quick little filming just, just on one of the questions of the night. And I want to show you just that, that little clip. And then I'm going to just finish off with this point. So go ahead and let's play that. I would spend a lot less time worrying about how to control my future and live freer from those worries. I think every day that kind of weigh you down. Right, I wouldn't be uh, concerned about what everyone thinks or you know, all of the anxieties of my day. I wouldn't be so selfish with my time. I would be able to, um, I think, pay attention and be more in tune to what God actually had planned for my life and glorify Him more through my actions than what I currently do. Um, when we, when, if I personally focus on God and focus only on Him, then I'm only focusing on what He has for me. And I'm not worried about pleasing people. I'm not worried about um, my problems, my hurts, my hang-ups, the struggle that I'm facing, the losses I faced. There wouldn't be one opportunity missed, not one opportunity wasted. Um, there would be purpose in all things, in all, all, all relationships. I would have more patience with the people that I love. and. It would change my life so that I wouldn't worry as much because if I made a difference for God, I know he's going to make a major difference for me. I could 100% be more in control of my emotions day to day, my emotions towards my kids, towards my family, um, my emotions towards God, and just be able to feel more at peace with the plan and purpose God has for my life. I want to act like life is about God and not about myself. Life has been such chaos besides that. It's just been this weird wander around in the dark, worried all the time. It never seems to work out the way I plan it. And finally just feeling like, yeah, I'm on the right path. I know I am. And that certainty has just got me feeling excited and relieved, to be honest. So my first purpose in life is to be loved by God. Just to receive. Just to receive love. My first calling is to enjoy this relationship with God, become and live like a family member and understand that it's only grace that puts us there. And because of that, when we live within the knowledge of how grace and precious it is to us, we can experience the love of God. And when we experience the love of God, we will feel accepted rather than ashamed. And we will be bold in bringing our needs to God. We will have peace in pain that you will not understand. And we do gain the courage to take risks 
And lastly, I worship instead of worry. And you heard it all through that. Matthew 6, 33 to 34. So don't worry about having enough food or drink or clothing, even if you are in a far country feeding pigs and eating that. He will give you all you need from day to day if you live for him and make the kingdom of God your primary concern, which is the kingdom of his love. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Another one, Romans six thirteen. Give yourselves completely to God since you have been given new life. Break down the walls. That's how you give yourself completely to God. Let your life be filled with the love of God because you know that you don't deserve it and you just break down the walls that pride wants to put up and you start receiving his love. To all who believes, it says in John 1, 12, <clears throat> to all who believed him and accepted him, Jesus gave the right to become children of God. Would you stand with me, please? Do you believe this God? I hope you do. Whatever is placed between you and that love, just knock it down. Surrender. Why would you fight that which has nothing but good for you eternally? Why would you keep yourself in a selective relationship with him? Uh, I don't mind being a servant. That was not his call. You to be family. So as we close the service and we're going to have a prayer, all across this auditorium and online, look, don't live another day in a world with walls to this amazing love of God. And just kick it off for you. Open up the walls. Experience yourself and say, wow, the walls are only keeping stuff in here I need to see. And you can release that every day that your shortcomings are going to show up. You just call out on the God who loves you to continue his work because he will and he does. And he's waiting for you at the end of the lane. He's still watching for you. He will let you live in a rebel way. He will let you go your own way. There's a short leash on some of that though. And we, our hearts die. Our hearts get hard. Our hearts get walls that are pushing away that which we actually need. May that not be your case anymore. That wall might look to you like a few things that are in your history. You just can't seem to get past. You can't get past it. He says he's going to take it all and work for the good. What's the good? Number one good, he gets glory. For what? His love. Which sources his grace, his mercy, his plan, his purpose for you. Oh my gosh. Undeserved, absolutely. Let's bow our heads. Fathers, we bow our heads. May your Holy Spirit finish this in our hearts. Give a revelation.
Lord, of ourselves first. And how, yes, we broken. Yes, how, how we let our lives get dirtied up and walls built and pride takes over and blindnesses kick in. And Lord, somehow we just kind of cruise through every day with a half-hearted passion, a half-hearted response where our love for you cannot grow. It cannot get beyond the same walls that we have built to keep yours out. I pray that you'd release us today from that as we get honest about that and say, oh, Father, the greatest sin I make is to keep my sins from you, to think I can hide them, to let my life be dictated by the conditions that they want to create. So once again, as a follower and a believer in you, oh, God, I'm just breaking down the walls. I surrender. Oh my gosh, Lord. It's never been about me. It's always been about you. And it's never been about my performance. It's all about your love, which brings your grace and your mercy. So Christ, would you restore my heart? I surrender. I'm tired. I'm really tired of fighting you. I'm fighting. Why would I fight you? Why? Oh Lord. It's in you I find me, not lose me. So Lord, hear those pleas in the hearts of your people here. If you are a person that has never opened up your life to Christ, you just simply have a wall that's keeping out the wonderful, amazing, unending, go everywhere love of God. Why? Receive Christ. Just accept, open your heart, and you just say, I surrender my life to you. It's a mess. When I really am honest, I am a mess. I can't get it, I can't clean it up. Would you bring me your love? your grace. I receive your mercy. I accept your forgiveness for my sins. I accept Jesus who paid for that forgiveness on the cross. I give him my life. I surrender. Why would I fight this Lord? I receive you. In Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our program. If you find this broadcast to be helpful, please let us know. You can call us at 780-539-0572 or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com.